Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal, and so dishonor the name of my God. What a great prayer. Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. So give me only my daily bread. What? It's just such a wise wise prayer. And you point out in the, in the book this, um, this sort of this corollary uh, scripture from First Timothy, where it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money. And what's, what's sticking out to me in this amazing proverb is the love of money is the root of evil. Whether you have too little or too much money, it could be the love of it that is the root of evil. I know a lot of people who are poor, they don't have money, yet they really are just consumed by having more. So in that case, yes, the love of money is, is can drive them to greed or cheating or whatever. Um, but yet other people who have tons of money and they love it so much as part of their identity, it's part of their security. And that can be the root of all kinds of evil. So whether you have it or not, the love of money could be the root of evil. And then in, also in 1 Timothy 6, it gives us this beautiful phrase which is what this daily bread image from Proverbs is pointing at as well. And in first Timothy uh, six, verse six, it says godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. In other words, if I'm seeking God and his ways, and if I'm content with what I already have with my daily bread, that is great gain. I become a rich man, so to speak, rich in other ways of measuring richness. It's great gain for me if I'm seeking God and content with what he's given me today. You could call many of the stories in the Old Testament, maybe even the New Testament, as um, a catalog of appetites. For example, mm -hmm. in the desert, as the Jews are wandering um, after leaving uh, Egypt, um, they run out of food and then they run out of water. Uh, these are natural human appetites. You can't exist without food. You can't exist without water. Um, but it gets, you know, uh, Samson had an appetite for women. And, you know, it was not the fact that we have appetites so much as that uh, when they become unbridled, when they become who you are and you can't live without them, that something's gotten out of whack and out of balance. But the appetite for God is also an appetite. It's a desire uh, to find God, uh, to live with God, to be a servant of God. Uh, these are appetites that may not be necessarily natural at first, but they're there. And I, I think that one of the things that it's wonderful is, is basically creating a hierarchy of appetites that really makes sense, that's rational, mm -hmm. and that actually reflects God's, you know, the, the, our human nature, but reflects God's desire for us more than anything else. So if you have an appetite for God, for Jesus Christ, 
and it's really low in the hierarchy, that's one thing, but it also can move up a hierarchy. So some uh, appetites that are large and important to you now, like money or like food or like uh, any health, you know, exercise and all that stuff. As Jesus moves up, they actually don't go away. They just go down. Hmm. And I, I think that that hmm. is a way of looking at not being guilty because you have several appetites, but that you actually are actually starting to manage them in the proper as God would like you to manage them. 